And so, Lord, I ask you to help me today. I don't have all the answers, but you do, and your word does. So, God, I just ask today to anoint this time. That it wouldn't just be information, that this would be something that would cause the young people particularly that marry, and us that are married, and the ones that are going to be married, to see the, the value you put on a covenant. And so, Lord, I ask you to help us this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So the scriptures, most of them I wrote up here, if you can see them, and you probably can't if you're over there. But anyhow, is this the right angle? That's what to touch it. You sound good. Singing all right. It's a, is, it hearing, is the hearing okay out there? <laughs> okay. Um, let's look at a couple things. Let's go to Genesis where God started the whole human race according to the scriptures, and that's what we all believe, right? We don't have anybody here that doesn't agree with God's word, I hope, right? So chapter 1, I think it's verse, see I wrote it down, yeah, 27. Let's pick up a few verses there. And it says, so God created man and it is his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. That's important to have God's blessing. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed. I'm not going to go ahead and read that. That's Well, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I started it. But I don't know if that's connected. But God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be meat. Well, other than the fact that seeds produce after kind and humans produce after their kind. Um, is anybody recording this? I'd like this recorded. Does anybody have any phones they want to yeah. they put up? Because I, you know, it comes up over and over again and, and uh, it might be selfish, but I don't want to preach on it every month. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would like whoever has good phones, if two or three people want to try to record, if you want to put your phones up here, that's fine. But but um, I would like it recorded. Plus, if I say something that isn't scriptural, and later on I go back and correct it. But I'm going to try not to do that the best I can. All right, so Genesis chapter 2. I guess I better look at my notes here so I don't get too far off base here. Uh, let's go to... Chapter 5, actually 1 through 2. In the beginning, right? Jesus referred back to this too, so that's why I'm doing it. If Jesus can refer back to the scripture in the beginning, how God did it, then it's good for us too. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is the book of the generation of Adam in the day that God created man. In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them. And blessed them and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. So in the day they were created he called them Adam. And Adam called Eve. Eve, right? And let's go back to chapter 2. And verse 21, 23. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Well, maybe read the verse above it, huh? 
And Adam gave the names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, and Jesus quotes this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother shall cleave unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. And we know what happened about the fall. So we don't want to touch on that today. But the fall also is part of the problem that we find ourselves in. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus to come back. So let's go to the New Covenant. Uh, let's go to Matthew 1st chapter 5. And we'll look at a few verses there. And we'll just go through them. And then I might go back and kind of try to answer the, the questions with Scripture. Because the Scriptures will answer themselves. And in verse 31. says, And it hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, and I believe the word put away there would be similar to our divorce, his wife, let him give her give her a writing a divorcement. And that's actually, we'll read that later. Maybe we, no, we'll read that later. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, saving for the cause, a fornication causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committed adultery. This uh, particular verse is where the controversy has arisen amongst different people, but God-fearing people actually. Um, so, and I don't read Greek, so I'll read you a definition of it, and the people fight over this, so I don't know how we can ever resolve it just by reading the Greek, but anyhow, I would like to read um, a definition. Uh, there's several people. One man's pretty pretty famous. Um, John Piper, the Baptist brother, that used to marry divorced people, and um, he, I guess, can read the Greek, and so he finally got the point. He said, "I have to be honest. I got to quit marrying divorced people." So, about I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, he quit marrying divorced people and found out in his church about 10,000 people. People pretty much quit getting divorced. Uh, before that, there was way more common because he would marry him. They would get divorced and he would marry him. Um, that's just not scripture. That's, that's, just, that's So anyway, I'd like to read you uh, a Greek definition. And like I said, I don't read Greek. But anyway, these verses in chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, as long as he just is a Greek, he actually did my, this Bible, he created to strong, so I do like looking up some of the words from time to time, so I just kind of read this for what it's worth, and then we'll go to more scriptures. These verses are intended to teach personal purity, not to provide a convenient loophole for setting aside marriage vows. The word fornication, pornea, and in Strong's, it's uh, 42, 
4202, unlawful sexual activity, the incestuous marriage of a son with his mother, 1 Corinthians 5 1, was pornea, marriage, and was disciplined by the church, a homosexual marriage would also be a pornea marriage and would violate God's law. Translating the exception clause, saving for the cause of marital unfaithfulness, misrepresents the Greek text and would mean that incestuous or homosexual partners could justify their marriage on the basis of their faithfulness to each other. So he's just saying some translations, not the King James, but they use the word unfaithfulness instead of fornication. So that's where a lot of the discussion comes in. And we'll go to Matthew 19. We'll read another one here. And we'll just kind of follow this on through. Matthew 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? That's something to think about. Is it lawful to put away your wife for every cause? What do you think? Lawful to put away wives for every cause. <clears throat> Hopefully, that's a sound solid note. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? We read that in Genesis, right? In the beginning, God made them male and female. And said, For this cause shall no man leave his father and his mother. And shall cleave to his wife. And they twain or two shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses because of the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives. To divorce them, in other words. But from the beginning it was not so. They say, I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, or that word pornea, it's the same word according to John Hedas that put this Bible together, shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So there's two things he says. She'll marry her, she'll marry another, puts he divorces wife, he marries another, except for fornication, committeth adultery, and whoso marries her which is put away doth commit adultery. Except for I'm gonna say the incestuous marriages, where they married man married his father's wife, or homosexual marriage, marriages that God never accepted. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. 
And he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. But there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. I interpret that to mean they didn't have any desire to be married, and they, did, they couldn't have any children. That's my understanding of it. And there were some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And in different kings and stuff, they did make men so they were eunuchs. And if you don't know what it means, I won't explain it for the sake of little people. Because they took care of their many wives, some of the kings in different places. Some people think maybe Daniel was made a eunuch. We don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible, but no indication he ever had a wife. And there were some eunuchs, and there the eunuchs, which made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And my understanding of that, and there's a little bit different understanding on it, but made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. As I understand, that would be to remain single. Some people have other ideas, but I just don't think it's substantiated in Scripture uh, where a man would make himself physically not able to have children for the kingdom of heaven's sake. I just don't really find that in Scripture. I find the Spirit of God giving us power to live solidly and singly if we need to. I was 29 I got married. I was never with a woman before I was married. So people sometimes say, I don't have the gift of celibacy, and that's therefore I can get remarried. Well, I have a very good reason. That's not a scriptural reason. Okay, let's go on now. There's more. Let's go now to Mark 10, 1 through 12. And I believe Matthew was written, written uh, to the Jewish people. And some people say that's why they had the clause in there, because the the Jewish people understood what Jesus was talking of when he said that. And the disciples said did too um, by their response. But anyway, let's go to um, Mark. What chapter did they just say? Ten. Ten, all right. I'm a five. It didn't quite look right, so thank you. We'll read the context. We'll start in verse 1. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. The resort, they come to him. And as he was wont, he taught them again, as his custom was, or what he normally did. That's what want means. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? Didn't say for every cause in this account. He said, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And Jesus knew what Moses said, right? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation of God made, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother to cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more twain or no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever should put away his wife and marry another committed adultery. Here he doesn't give a clause. And they say this was written, I believe, to the Greeks or the, or the Gentiles. Mark's gospel. And if a woman should put away her husband and be married to another, she committed adultery. So this is the one... Where you, the reason they assume that this is from 
the Roman, written to the Romans, because the Jewish, as far as we know, and from what I've read, there's no Jewish woman could divorce her husband. But the Roman women could divorce their husbands. <coughs> so this was probably written to the Romans. That's what the people would study history. It is different. You know, none of the other three accounts talking about this says that a woman can divorce her husband. It's the only one. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman, this one says this in here, and if a woman should put away her husband, be married to another, she committed adultery. So we'll go on now to, that's just reading the scriptures. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's, it's pretty clear. And let's go to Luke now, chapter 16. He said unto his disciples, let's see, yeah. Now, of course, where does it start, though? 16, yeah, but which... Wait a minute, I got something wrong here. Where am I supposed to be at? Somebody help me. 16, 15, somewhere. All right, all right, that's the problem. I was looking at one, it just wasn't working out very good. Yeah, let's read 16. No. Well, let's go to 18. It's just pretty much right there in the midst of a lot of what he's saying. Whosoever put her away, his wife, marries another, committed adultery. And whosoever married her, that is put away from her husband, committed adultery. And okay, now we're going to go, um, I guess we'll go ahead and go back to what Jesus referred to, or he asked him what Moses said, so let's go back to Deuteronomy. So I wrote it on the board. Now, Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. And he said, what did Moses say? And this is what Moses said. It's interesting what Moses said. It doesn't sound right, does it? It's in the Bible. Jesus said, Moses said that. He said, my father, from the beginning, it wasn't so. When a man had taken a wife and married her... And come and come to pass that he find no favor, that she find no favor in his eyes. Pretty rough for the ladies, right? Because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him, the man, write for her a bail of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. Because if he didn't do that, kicked her out, and somebody else were to marry her, they would both be stoned, right? Because she would still be a married woman. So under the law of Moses, it broke the marriage vow, and she is departed out of his house. She may go and be another man's wife. Wife's added. The italics and King James are all added. But anyway, another man's means wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement, this is kind of a rough deal, giveth it in her hand, sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, her first husband, or one of her first husbands, this would be quite a thing, may not take her again to be his wife. After that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause a lamb to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. 
that's pretty rough. And um, so we'll go on through some of the New Testament things. Um, I guess it's so I don't forget it, is that Jesus says, if you divorce your wife and marry another, you commit adultery. And whoever marries the woman you divorce commits adultery. So in the Old Covenant, when they called it adultery, it's when you were married. It wasn't when you are divorced. If you were divorced, you got remarried. You wasn't committing adultery in the Old Covenant, according to what we just read. So, in the New Covenant, when you divorce your wife, like Moses said, and she gets remarried, she commits adultery. And if you get remarried, you commit adultery, according to Jesus. He said, from the beginning, it wasn't so. It's moral in there. Um, so, this is what comes up a lot. A question that I've had, one of the reasons I grew up believing um, two exceptions. Like my uncle's still alive, he's an old Bible teacher, he's 98. And he always taught, and we'll get into those scriptures, but he taught there was two reasons. And I had personally had a big problem with this scripture that how could we encourage somebody to go back to their first wife from this scripture? Well, because of this scripture, it was not an adultery when you got a, when your husband wrote you a letter and said, you're no longer my wife, you could go be another man. He signed that, put it in your hand. You could go out and show another man, say, I am divorced. You won't get stoned to death. If you marry me, I am legitimate available to be remarried. And so they got remarried because of the hardness of their heart. Men put away their wives, Jesus said, for that reason. It wasn't God's plan. never was God's plan. It wasn't his heart for that. And so, and so, well, thank you. <laughs> I thought you'd bring on a plate or so much. Right? Like in the old days, we used to feed the cake and got married, right? <laughs> well, let's think about this a minute. So in the New Covenant, you say, if you put away your wife, she marries another man, she commits adultery. If you marry another woman, you commit adultery. So God doesn't, Jesus doesn't accept divorce and remarriage. I think that's pretty clear. He doesn't accept it. So that's the reason that I so far can't find anything yet to, to believe that it would be wrong to go back to your first legitimate husband because he doesn't accept your divorce in the new covenant. The old covenant, he did. And if we're still living that way, you know, I'm upset with Jackie. I write her, write her letter up and say, you know, I've had enough of this. You can go get married now and she can go to any other brother in the church say, look, Granny's divorced me. I'm okay. Because I give her a divorce, I can also get another wife. So it works out really nice for the flesh, right? Because of the hardness of our hearts. But from the beginning, Jesus said it wasn't so. So Jesus jumped all the way back over after. He said, what did Moses say? And they told him what Moses said. They knew it very well. And Jesus did too. He, he didn't say Moses did say it. Moses allowed you to preach that because of the hardness of your heart. But from the beginning, it wasn't so. And I think I'll give you some scriptural verses to prove this, but I want to just go ahead and throw it out first and think about it. Jesus said, because I'm here now, I'm going to come and live in you, and you're going to be able to live celibate if you need to be. From now on, we're back like the unbroken fellowship in the beginning. We're now back in the beginning. The Creator. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things are made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. 
Sam read that, 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. Now Jesus back, so Jesus now is bringing us back into a possibility through redemption to be in fellowship with God like before the fall. Right. That's scripture. Now, we'll look at a few more now. Okay, Romans chapter... Um, there isn't very many scriptures really about this directly in the New Testament. There's quite a few about marriage and so forth. And... Um, okay. We'll just go ahead on Romans chapter 7. Verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law have dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So if while her husband liveth, she shall be called an and be married to another man. She'll be called an adulteress. Now in the Old Testament, if she had that bill of divorcement, she wouldn't be called an adulteress. Right? <clears throat> We're not taking her out into the Scripture, right? But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, the marriage law, right? So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren... Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. Married to Jesus, right? We're not married to the law anymore. Should be married to another. Even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. That we're dead to the law. And it gives a gives marriage as an example of that. And it goes on to another thing about our walk with Christ. It's very important. I'll go ahead and read a couple of verses because it connects. But when we were in the flesh, the motives of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. God's law, God's commandments, whether we obey them or not, it's still it's going to produce, it's going to show us what we are when we're not walking with Him, we're not really born of His Spirit. When we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, we're in an unregenerate condition. Lost, right? Which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we, sh that we should serve in newness of the spirit not walk in the oldness of the letter. Not just keeping rules. It's now from the heart. Being free from sin actually. Sin works through the law if we're not redeemed. We just try to obey it and keep the rules. What should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay or no. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, and wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. How did it, why would God's commandments bring you death? For sin, 
taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me or killed me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin. So God's commandment shows sin. It can't give us any help to get rid of sin, but it can show us our sin. That it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment may become exceeding sinful. And there's more there, but that's kind of the idea of to be set free to see our sin. Okay, let's go to Corinthians. This is the this is the big one. Corinthians chapter First Corinthians. Yes, first Corinthians. I'm not really preaching those others, I'm just kind of trying to keep in context. The reason I'm reading a little bit more roundly. Okay. Oops. Back to Romans. First Corinthians chapter six one. Let's read a little bit there. And then we'll go to seven. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Oh, I'm in second Corinthians. No wonder. It's a good verse. Powerful one, but it's not the one I'm after. First Corinthians chapter six. Dare you have a matter against another? Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world should be judged by you, are you, not, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain unto this life? If then you have judgments of things that pertain to this life, if then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge or least esteemed in the church. And so forth. Let's see. He talks about quite a bit of things here. Let's read down to um, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. So if somebody actually is an adulterer, so they will inherit the kingdom of God. This is something that, you know, I don't really like, but... I do agree with God. In other words, there's sometimes you, somebody that's a friend or such a nice person, you think, how could it possibly be? If they're doing one of these things, how could it be? If they're living in adultery, they're in an adulterous marriage. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's um, homosexuality, right? Nor abuse themselves with mankind. I guess they go together. Maybe that's, yeah, I don't know. I'll be yeah, quiet. Effeminate, is that a man that's acting like a woman? A soft guy like a boy, you know what I mean? Alright, he's not wanting to be a man. Yeah. I want to be a man. He's used, okay, a boy that's... A boy that's kind of like a girl. Okay, not good. And then it puts it in the same category, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So there is a... And some men I respect, some of them say there's no such thing as living in adultery. Just the initial act. Divorced, I just divorced Jackie. I can't be married. Yeah, it's adultery. Put me out of church. And then I, I'm sorry. Tell God I'm sorry. Repent. I shall stay with my new wife. And God forgives. And we go on with a new beginning. That's what a lot of churches now teach. But here it says, let's just look at this a minute. Let's just look at God's word. I just want to reread it to see if you think, see if, see if I'm reading it right. But you know 
that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, fornicators, sounds like they're still doing it, right? Nor adulterers, or idolaters, so we're still worshiping idols, right? Nor adulterers with an S on it. Nor effeminate, they abuse themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, so somebody can see we've all, many people have stole something. But if you get saved, you keep stealing? I don't think there's anybody that's a whole-hearted Christian would say it's fine to keep stealing, right? They're covetous. That's a little harder to put your hands on, but is it right to ever be covetous? No. What else? Drunkard. Is it right to be a drunkard? That means being drunk, right? Getting drunk. Is that ever okay after you're a Christian to keep being a drunk? Or get drunk once in a while? My dad did and almost... He, did, he got almost lost out with God. He repented and he didn't touch it again. The alcohol. So if there's such a thing as adultery, and if there's such a thing as living in adultery, then we got to quit living adultery, right? If God calls it adultery, but everybody else says it's fine, is it still going to make get us, get us into heaven? According to this. It says, such shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Whatever the, the kingdom of God is. I assume that's the place where we go after we die if we don't go to hell. It says, what does it say? It's the kingdom shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, it says kingdom of God here. Okay? The thieves and their covetous and their drunkards and their reviles and their extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You were this way, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. So there's a change. There's something happens. Such work, some of you. We're not the same anymore. We're not still living in sin. If we are, then the Bible doesn't say we're in a safe place. It doesn't say we're saved. That's another subject. But having sin is different than living in sin. In other words, doing something you don't know is wrong, you find later it was wrong. Okay, let's go now to chapter 7. This is the one where you know, all those more exceptions people like to read into it, and I, I used to. So I'll go, let's just read it. Now concerning the things where you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife, and every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power in her own body, but the husband. Likewise, also the husband hath not power in his own body, but the wife. So let's talk about married people. I think yeah, that's probably no disagreement here at all. Maybe there is feminine circles, things that aren't godly. Defraud ye not one the other, except to be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your in continuance. Incontinence, I guess, okay? That has to do with the marital relationship. Six. But I speak this by permission and not by commandment. So this is an interesting thing it says. It's kind of like Moses gave you this precept, right? Moses gave you this precept. If the heart is your heart, you can put away your wife. From the beginning, it wasn't so. My father didn't give it to me. Now, Paul's saying... I speak this by permission, not by commandment. 
If I wanted all men were even as myself, and as far as we know, he was single, at least at the time he wrote this. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. So some people are single, some people are married, right? It may be different things. I say therefore to the unmarried and to widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Which sounds like he means being single, right? We all agree on that? Mm -hmm. Is that pretty clear? But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Okay? And unto the married I command. Okay, but here, here's a scripture that people use saying they can get remarried because they're divorced and so forth, right? It doesn't actually say that anybody can get remarried here. But he does say of the unmarried and widows. So some people would say, well, that means anybody. It doesn't say if you're divorced, though. It doesn't say that. But some people do take the liberty to go interpret it that way. It is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better for them to marry than to burn. And under the word I command. So that's a little thing he said. It's his opinion. Kind of like Moses give you this precept. Now Paul's give you a little a couple verses there that he gave his opinion. He said he did. It's right in the inspired word. Okay? But he the next part he says, But under the married I command yet not I but the Lord. Now he's saying this I know for sure. Exactly what God says. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart. But if she departs, what she's supposed to do? She leaves her husband. If you leave me, honey, what are you supposed to do? It says right here, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. So she's supposed to do what? Go get remarried? Let's say she's divorced here. I don't know what the word depart means. I think it just means they left. But if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. Now that is kind of a divorce for the guy there, though. But to the rest speak I. Now he's going to go back in and give a little bit more of his own opinion. So he's got in the Bible. Paul Mason had his own opinions getting in the Bible. So, but anyway, we'll read it. Okay? But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. So let's go back and read what the Lord said first. Let's just think about 10 here again. None of the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. Now 12. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to do well with him, let him not put her away. Sounds like don't divorce her. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell or live with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. Now this is the one that a lot of people really take huge liberties with. Now let's just read it carefully. Try not to read into it. My friend situation or my brother's situation or my mom's situation or my dad's situation. Let's just try to read it without thinking. I mean, it's hard not to think about people we know. Relatives, right? I have relatives divorced and remarried. I have friends that are divorced and remarried. One fellow really was a good friend of mine. 
and my children knowing. But if I don't, if I just think about that, it's like, oh, how, you know, we just try to interpret the scripture because of our friends sometimes. And it's even harder if you were divorced and remarried. I don't think anybody's sitting here divorced and remarried, but there might be. I don't think so. Hey, what verse was I at? 15? 14. And to the unbelieving husband, sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, thus were your children unclean. But now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Brother, sisters, not in bondage in such cases, <clears throat> but God has called us to peace. Not in bondage. So, it's pretty clear here in that word bondage, people want to say that you can get remarried. It doesn't say that. It just simply means that if Jackie leaves me or I leave her, it's not her fault. She's not in her bondage. She don't have to be condemned about it that I left her and went off with another woman. She might have seen she wasn't a perfect wife, but she's not in her bondage in that case. Before God, she didn't commit the adultery. She didn't run off on me. But I don't see it saying what people say it's saying that you go ahead and get remarried. In such cases, but God hath called us to peace. But what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. If any is any man called being circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised, which would be just about impossible, right? Is any called in uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. So he thought he could do. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of the Lord. Let every man abide in the same calling where he was called. And that's where some people say, when you divorce and remarried, you come to the Lord, you know, you, you stick with your first wife, your wife you're living with now, because you're, you know, the past is a past. It's talking about this particular verse is talking about every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. But the called being a servant or a slave, care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. He that is called in the Lord, being a servant or a slave, is the Lord's free man. In other words, if you become a Christian and you're a slave, you're God's free man, even though you're a physical slave. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant or he's Christ's slave. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the slaves of men. Even if you're a physical slave, but inside you're not. That's how I interpret it anyway. He just got done explaining it, right? Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. And I guess we'll read the next of it because it's, it's even harder sometimes to interpret. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. There is there is telling again his own opinion. Not the only place in the whole New Testament where anybody has their own opinion that I know of. And he does it twice, three times in Corinthians 7. Now concerning verdicts to virgin, I have no commandment of the Lord. Because I don't know what God says about it, but I'm going to tell you what course I know by what I know of God. Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord and is faithful. I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress 
present situation where they were at, I say that is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto wife, seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from wife, seek not a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. And this is the one where some people believe that if you're divorced, you can get remarried. Kind of because of your hardness of your heart, to, like Moses, because of their hardness of their heart, they allowed him that precept in before Christ. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be those they have none. And they that weep as though they weep not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fastest world passed away. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. And he that is married care for things of the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cared for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. And she that is married cared for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This, and this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare on you, upon you, but for that which is calmly, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think behaving himself uncommonly toward his virgin. She passed the flower of her age. He so require, let him do what he will. Sinneth not, let them marry. That's a strange verse. I do like it in another translation a little better. Not because King James is wrong. I think it's just because, you know, 1600s, they understood it probably really clearly. But that verse, as far as I can tell, if you, if you have a daughter and she's, you know, getting old, too old to have children. It's all okay to give her in marriage. That's that's how I take it. But I could be wrong. That's that's what I think it's saying. The other way it gets confusing. It almost sounds like the dad's marrying his own daughter. It doesn't work. I mean, God never honored that. A man marrying his own daughter. So I believe it has to do with him giving her in marriage to another man, not to himself. So he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, and he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. Now we're kind of back to what, what was in the beginning. In the beginning, God made a male and female. What Jesus said. was said, but I say. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. And if her husband be dead, she's at liberty to be married whom she will, only the Lord. She had to go get married to some you know, unbeliever. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. After my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So he's given quite a, some different things here. I think it's inspired, even though he says, I think. Um, but it is interesting. Let's look at a couple other things that aren't directly on divorce and remarriage. I can't think of really any other things directly related. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Look at a few verses there. Um, I do want to say that a little bit about what is marriage. Marriage is a covenant according to the Bible. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he made a covenant of marriage. Some marriages aren't marriages because they're not covenants. That gets a little stickier, but some of the Muslims particularly are not married because it 
seven or eight, they give the girl to the guy and they force her to be his wife. So that wouldn't be a marriage, a, a, a true marriage, unless the lady later on decides to make a covenant with the man. That's like not marriage. That's not a Bible marriage anyway. That's a Muslim marriage, and they still do that a lot, I understand. And that's not a marriage, a New Testament marriage, or even an Old Testament marriage for that matter. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which are which suffered mercy as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Everybody agrees with that, right? True marriage. Marriage between a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or something else. Legitimate marriage. Marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things you have. For he hath, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So then, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them that have the rule over you, for they have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. In other words, they're living their, their, what they're saying, not just talking. Consider the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, we've got one more verse in the New Testament, and a couple to just consider out of the Old Testament. Out of Jeremiah. Let's go to Acts. Chapter 17, 16. Acts 17, verse 16, just a few verses there. This is not directly to marriage, but this is a principle of the new covenant. Sixteen, no, seventeen, sixteen. I said, right? Okay. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. When certain philosophers of the, I don't know how to say this, Epicureans and of the Stoics, how do you say that? Epicurean. Okay, it's good. I'll let you put the way you said it right. I probably can't even repeat it right. And of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What shall this babbler say? Other some, other some, he seemed to be a set forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine or new teaching whereof thou speakest is. But thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. Remember, these are pagans. These aren't a lot of them. There is a synagogue there, so I'm assuming some of these are pagans. These might be Jewish pagans, too. We would know, wherefore, what these things mean. And the Athenians... And strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So they were likely to hear this new thing about Jesus. It wasn't that they really want to give their life to him, some of them. 
Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all these things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom you therefore eagerly worship, him declare unto you. He said the unknown God, they didn't know the true God, so he just said, I'm going to tell you who the God is you don't know. Right? Is that good to do? People don't know God. So I'm going to tell you the unknown God. I'm going to tell you about him. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he given to all life and breath and all things. He hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. It was every human being is of one blood. You're not part animal, part human. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God determined the different people groups and where they would live in different parts of the world. Right there it says it. Now we move around a lot. But that's pretty well the way it was until we got planes and stuff and we can just sip here and there. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God it is made like unto gold or silver or stone or graven image or art, or by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God did what did he do? He winked at it, it says. He winked at it. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to do what? To repent, change their ways, line up with God, do what God wants, be saved. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will do what? He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So party, party, party from among them. Howbeit certain men cleave unto him. Some people got something in their heart. They heard something inside. And believed among the which was these different people. But I want to go back to a little phrase and kind of give me a revelation of the whole thing when Jesus said, But I say unto you. Times have passed. God went to this ignorance. But now... Now God commands all men everywhere to repent. Time passed, he let guys divorce their wives. He let a whole bunch of scenes. He let David have a whole bunch of wives. God didn't want it. He said, when you have a king, don't multiply to yourselves horses and wives. But he let them do it. And other things. And David did something horrible. And he repented and he went ahead and took the wife he committed adultery to kill, had her husband killed. But it put a curse over David's family, his house, for generations, many times. David had a man, was a man after God's own heart. Jesus even said it. But yet all through the Old Testament, different kings would say, because of the of the sin of Uriah, the, the Hittite. Over and over again, it talks about because of Bathsheba. And so when, when we reject God and we do something really horrible, even if we're forgiven, there's a, there's a certain judgment. There's a certain reaping of what we sow. Some people forget that. The reaping. Terrible reaping. And like David... Ravenhill said, some men, he's known a few men that had a pretty much a worldwide ministry and were anointed and they went for one night of immorality with a woman threw their whole ministry away. Some of them repented and they had nothing and they couldn't, you know, they were directed. 
be like me. If I went out and cheated on my wife and everybody found out, I could tell you I'm sorry and go back to her. That'd be forgiven. God would forgive me probably. But what would it do to, the, to my place in the body of Christ? It'd be a whole different place. I'd have to realize, you know, I'm here by grace alone. And I'm here by grace alone anyway, but it would certainly not be something that anybody would want to be listening to me much about marriage or anything, right? Hopefully not. So there's a lot, of, a lot of horrible things going on amongst Christianity now in this whole area. So men that have, one man during the Brownsville revival was, was having an affair with his secretary. And then he divorced his wife, sent her back to Canada. While he's preaching, and then a bunch of the prophetic people, not saying all prophetic people, that, but a lot of them, they, you need to receive him back into the body, get full, full fellowship and let him keep preaching. So he did. What do you think that is? It's pretty bad. That's really extreme. That's really, really, really bad. It's not, not hardly glitches ministry. Committing adultery, divorces his wife, marries a woman he commits adultery with, and just keeps right on ministering. And then, and then a bunch of other ministers say, Christians got to quit being judgmental. I mean, that, that's extreme. Okay, I, I just want to throw that out. I just want you to know that there's it's not good. In the evangelical world, but really evangelical, they really evangelical, they wouldn't be doing it. The word evangel evangelical is a wonderful word, but it's not. It's basically, we believe in the scripture, we believe in evangelizing evangelical, but it's become really different. Okay, let's take a couple looks at um, two things about marriage and what it means to God. And this is an Exodus, and this is not about marriage directly, but it, it does say. The Ephesians that concerning Christ and the church, right? We all know that, so I may not even read that one. But let's read this one in, in um, Exodus chapter 17, verse 6. Say that right. Yeah, Exodus 17, 6. Now, that ain't the one I want to read. Well, I could. I guess we could read that. Well, he said to smite the rock. Okay, you want to read it? Or I'll read it, I guess, because I'm recording it. It doesn't get recorded if, if somebody else reads it. What did I say? Leviticus 17 6. Exodus 17 6. Exodus? Genesis, Exodus 17 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon a rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out, come out water of it. The people may that the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Mishiah and Moribah, because the because of the chiding of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So there God told him to hit the rock. And the rock represents what? In the new covenant? Christ. Christ. It said the shepherd, the, the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would be scattered. That happened one time. So let's look at the other place. In um, the second time Moses had an opportunity to obey the Lord. Numbers 20, verse 8. This is sad. Numbers 20, verse 8. This is another time they were thirsty. 
what it says. That's the Lord talking, the Lord, and, and take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. So he's so far doing what God said. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, Here now, ye rebels. God didn't tell them to call them rebels. They were. Ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand. With his rod he smote the rock twice. He hit it two times. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you, ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Moribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was and he was sanctified in them. So there, and later on, God told Moses he couldn't go in the promised land because he didn't sanctify the people, the rock. So we can now speak to the rock. We can speak to Lord Jesus Christ. And water and life comes out of Him. But He's not going to be smitten again. He's not going to be crucified again. Hebrews says that they crucified the Lord of glory and put Him to an open shame. So we don't crucify Him again. We don't crucify Jesus. He's been crucified. But we can speak to Him. And God told Moses to speak to the rock. And so God still let water come out of it. But He wrecked God's picture. Make the picture of the Christ that would be broken once, forever. And you read all through Hebrews, he was broken once. One eternal sacrifice forever. Now he's seated at the right hand of God. I'm just quoting scriptures there. You're going to have to look them up in strong. I didn't write them down. Okay. Let's look at one in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. This is not totally exhaustive, but I pretty much exhausted the New Testament scriptures on it. Jeremiah 2, verse 2. Hmm? Maybe, let's see here. I might have it wrong. I think I'm right. Let's see here. Maybe I'll read. Yeah, this is it. Let's read verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, So this is God speaking. Go and cry in the ears of, the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. So it was a tough place. They were going after God. They needed God every day. He gave them food. And he gave them, made their clothes they didn't wear out, and so forth, right? Called the time of our espousal. I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, and the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. In Israel was holiness under the uh, in Israel was holiness under the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? that they have gone far from me and have walked 
after vanity or become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Where's the Lord that saved us out of our sins? That led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and of pits, all kinds of dangerous places, through the land of drought and of the shadow of death. Think of that, being out in the middle of a desert, no water. You only could make it if God took care of you. Through the land that no man passed. Men didn't even go to this place where God led them. No man passed through. And where no man lived, no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal. Think of that. That was like abortion and burning their children in the fire. Little children, throw them alive in the fire, kill them first. I don't know what to do. It was horrible. And walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, even after all this, saith the Lord. And with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Shittim and see, and send unto Kedar, Kedar, and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out, cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Is Israel servant? Is he a bond? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he why is he spoiled? The young lions roar upon him and yield and yelped. Yelped. They made his land waste, and his cities are burned without habitation. So the children of Nob, Nob, and the, these other people have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself? To bring it upon yourself, in other words, procured this unto thyself, and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? And now what hast thou to do? In the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that this is an, an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. And I'll stop there and I'll read I think I got one more, one or two more verses here. It's Jeremiah 3, right? I'm looking for another one there. Yeah, Jeremiah 3. Yeah, I got that too. Jeremiah 3, we'll go ahead and read a little bit there. I want to read some of that. Just the setting of rejecting God after he'd done everything. Okay, what verse? Oh, right there in the beginning. They say, if a man put away his wife, she go from him and become another man's, and she'll be returned unto her, her again. Shall not that land be greatly polluted? He's talking about that scripture we read earlier. But thou hast played the harlot. You see a little bit of God's heart about his first wife, right? With many lovers, 
and unfaithful to me, God, in many ways, many lovers. Yet return unto me, saith the Lord, lift up thine eyes unto the high places, and see where thou hast not <coughs> lain with, where thou hast not been lain with, in the ways hast thou set for them, as Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms, with thy wickedness. Therefore the sh showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain. Thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me? My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah king, Hast thou seen that which is backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played what? The harlot. Worshipped another god. Had an affair with another god. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me. And she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judith saw it. And I saw, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away, God divorced her, and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, even after she seen what God did to Israel, her sister. But went and did the what? Played the harlot also. She did the same kind of rejected God. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with her stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not, hath not turned unto me with her whole heart. But faintly, saith the Lord, just a little bit. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. In other words, she said, I'm, I'm fine, you know, I don't want to do something so bad. So, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, ye backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will yet cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am, for, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. I am merciful, even though he divorced her, it says, saith the Lord, and I will And I will not keep my anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, only acknowledge your sin, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And you have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. He just divorced him, but he says he's still married to him. That's a, see, that's a new covenant thing coming through in God's heart even before Jesus. Saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring it to Zion. There's a few people who are going to repent, make things right with God. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass, when ye be multiplied and increased in the land, in those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the Lord, of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind. Neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall... Anyway, I'll stop there. So I wanted to read that. Thank you, honey, for encouraging me to read that. Because that's a...
lot of Jeremiah shows God's heart of people that run astray, people that have disobeyed, but it also shows even though he divorced, he still was willing to take her back. Even though he acknowledged that the law had said you couldn't take her back. And Jesus seemed to do the same thing in his attitude. So that's the Word of God, forever set up in heaven. And I hope all of us realize that we don't have a way out when we're married. By a legitimate marriage, then we're married for life. And all our, all you young people that are going to get married, the ones that are just married, you're, you get to be married for life. You can say, sometimes Jack and Joker says, you're stuck with me. And I am stuck with her, but it's something better than that. Yeah. But when you know that you're not going to get out of it, then you have to work things out. I'll give a short testimony. I guess I'm going to work on a little bit, but I'll give a short one. When we were first married, we didn't have a greatest marriage. And if I had known there was a way out, I might have took it. If she had known there was a way out, she might have took it. But her brother was married her that counseled us said, when you get married, there's no divorce, he told us. Like, real seriously, there is no divorce. And uh, and there is no getting another wife. No matter what your wife does, you just live celibately or you work or you get back right. <laughs> in other words, you remain unmarried or be reconciled. So we had some battles, and we were one time thinking, oh, brother, I got married, now I'm stuck. I really didn't feel that way. And my wife told me one night, pray for me, and I did God would help you, help me. I thought, oh, brother, this is quite a deal. That's our honeymoon. We didn't start out very good. We didn't have it. Some of you are starting out way better than us. I remember I was going to leave her in Edmonton Mall. That night she said, pray for me, that you can help me. I don't to help my wife. I'm going to be married for five days. It's not a very nice way to start out. So I turned over and I thought to myself, it felt really a sinking thing, you know. I'm done now. I've been single the rest of my life, I thought. But she had asked me to pray for her, so I said a little prayer to God. I didn't mean it very much, I guess. But God still heard me. And I said, God, would you help me help my wife? And he gave me a little scripture out of 1 John. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all rights. And I turned over and I said, I got, a, I got something from the Lord. I was trembling. I didn't think she'd receive it, but she did. She said, oh, that makes me feel so good. That's so edifying. So I thought, well, maybe it will work. You know? <laughs> that's sometimes how it is. You know, if you don't have it good, it's it's God. And, and Jesus wants uh, to our marriage to be a good picture, that we won't be a bad picture. We won't hit the rock twice when it's been hit once. That we'll be married for love. It'll be good. So that's, the, that's my heart. It's not to condemn people. God's a final judge. People do things ignorantly. I don't know how God will deal with it. All I know is here as a leader that if people come that way, we'll work with them. But we're not going to give our blessing, or I'm not going to give my blessing over Then we get up, share, and teach, and things like that. Um, I don't know how God will do it in his mouth. But if it is adultery in his eyes, it is. And from what I say, it doesn't look very good. So I certainly wouldn't base my whole eternity on me divorcing my wife and get another wife. Plus, if you love your wife, you won't do it anyway. But Jesus seems to really be pretty serious in the beginning. It wasn't so. And so that's what kind of set me free when I was taught the other way all my life until I was in my mid-20s. And um, it was really, really, really hard for me to change, to come over on this side. I'll just be honest. I was, I took the two clauses for unfaithfulness, sexual unfaithfulness, and before you're Christian. So the idea before you're Christian, that was a really, really, really hard one for me. And so God knows some people are ignorant. God's said, He that know it to good, do it not, him it is sin. So I'm going to leave that with God. I'm going to run around everybody sees divorce, remarriage, and 
forgive them. I'm going to try to encourage them to give up everything to follow Jesus. And if they do that, then I think God will talk to them. Brother Keith Daniels, a lot of times he'll just give them all the scriptures on it. Doesn't exactly tell them what to do. And they say, well, you said that what I'm doing, I'm living in adultery. He said, no. No, I guess that's David Foster. He said, no, I didn't say that. He said, I was just reading out of Luke. He said, you don't have to deal with what Jesus said. And then the people go home and they pray and it makes a whole different thing. And some of them say, come back and say, you know, Jesus said I'm living in adultery, so I'm not doing it anymore. But if I say it or you say it, it's just our words. Big deal. And if it's what Jesus says, it's, it's pretty important. So, it's not always a fun subject, but in a sense it is, because it wouldn't be for this subject. If somebody hadn't believed like I talked today, I probably would be divorced. I could have been very easily in the early days. If I had a pastor say, you know, she's not being submissive to you, you know. You know, God understands, you know, just write that little bill of divorce and put it in your hand, you know. It's adultery, but God will forgive you. You can start over again after the first act. I might have done it. I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have. I hope I wouldn't have. I hope my heart will open God more than that. But I, all I know is that it... It certainly put a fear of God in my heart. And she's the only girl that ever said I do when I said, will you marry me? <laughs> That's why we're married for almost 30 years. Um, I don't know. Anybody need any discussion right now or not? Does anybody want to say anything? I guess it means I talk, share this.